welcome to the Clear Ads Podcast, Highway to Sell. As usual, you're listening to myself, Tom Wackhorn, and we are joined once again by the wonderful Helen Robinson, our Head of Accounts at Clear Ads. This week, we're going to be diving into our new podcast series on enterprise brands and how Amazon advertising and that entire landscape can benefit big brands, high street brands, enterprise brands. So if you are one of those, stick around to hear what tips we've got. This week, we will be talking about Amazon's demand side platform. So that's Amazon's DSP and how you as an enterprise brand can utilize that to drive targeted programmatic advertising campaigns across various channels on and off of Amazon. So, Helen, I'm going to let you kick off the new year with this first question. What is Amazon's demand side platform? What is a DSP? It's a good question. So, Amazon obviously has a huge amount of data coming through and Amazon's DSP, you can use their first party data to create audiences to target. So, whereas I always think of it as with PPC you more or less, there's somebody searching for something specific. For example, I'm going to use your, your example, Tom, and it never gets boring, of a red scarf. So if somebody's <laughs> searching for a red scarf, you can appear using that, that term. You can obviously target that term and appear with your ads. But there is another way. So I would say that that's you're pulling the, the shopper in because you know that that's what they're looking for. DSP, I feel more is like pushing ads. So even if somebody's not searching for something specific, you can show up and appear when they're searching for something similar. So they might be showing behaviours that indicate they're about to buy a red scarf, but they might not have searched for that specifically, or they might have searched for it in the past. So that's one way of looking at it, that whole contextual targeting, where if somebody is they're there for the first time, maybe they're looking for a scarf, or that they've started to show signs that they're going to buy that, you can appear in unique slots on Amazon ads, both, like Tom said, both on and off Amazon. And you can also utilise the ability to remarket people who have searched for your products already. So if somebody has been searching for one of your products, but they haven't purchased it yet, you can keep showing up. Now, this is very similar to sponsored display. So these days, we would call it sponsored displays, DSP Lite. So you can still conduct very much the same kind of ads using sponsored display now as DSP, but P is a much platform, I would say. We seem to get better results when we use DSP for e-marketing. It just works so well. Again, you can appear in those unique slots, both on and off Amazon. And what we're finding is if you've got a product that's slightly more premium compared to your competitors as well, the ability to show off Amazon, which again is now coming to available through PPC as well, more now, but with DSP, you show up on the open exchange when people are searching on different servers. If you've got quite a high price product, then you can show up without any competition. So you, you basically have a unique chance to show your products off Amazon without all that extra traffic and noise that's on Amazon. So that's another reason we, we love DSP. It's also a chance just to utilize the huge array of audiences that Amazon has. For example, if you know people are um, are looking for shower caps, you can maybe target them with other products related to, to shower caps. There's a lot of ways you can use the audiences to show your ads. It's also important to cover some misconceptions that are surrounding Amazon's DSP. I think there's always been 
some apprehension from some sellers, some brands to use DSP. And I think some of those were fair. I don't think they were unfounded misconceptions or even myths. One of the biggest ones was the A word, attribution, that because the two platforms aren't linked, so you've got DSP and you've got Seller Central, Vendor Central, they weren't necessarily talking to each other. So there was always that question of where is the attribution sitting? Are the sales that I'm seeing on DSP, are they real or have they been double attributed, triple attributed through PPC, organic, sponsored display, or even through the DSPs? I want to answer that question now and debunk that misconception or myth, or at least try and convince you that that has changed now. Within the last year or so, it's been advertised a lot more that you are able to add merchant token from your seller account or vendor account to the DSP platform. So by adding that into DSP, you've now opened up a new communication link. So whereas DSP and PPC were operating separately and speaking to your Seller Central account, where you're able to see all of your total sales coming through business reports, now there's a communication link between DSP and PPC. So they're able to chart and attribute that journey from yeah, the first impression, the first click, the last click, how many detailed page views there are to actually attribute better and give you a far better quality after purchase for each individual customer and further minimize that risk of double attribution, triple attribution, however many times you want to assume that has actually happened. So that has been something that has been a game changer for us as an agency. Now it hasn't always been roses because there's been that risk of attribution and, and reporting and communication there. We've put that merchant token in, we've seen the total ROAS in some cases come down, but that's going to be your true ROAS moving forward. You need to not get clouded by the, the high ROAS as you've seen before, but it's also allowed us to better optimize the account and start targeting A, the ASINs, those audiences, those placements, those different types of advertising you can do through DSP, whether that's video or targeting on Twitch or IMDB or Prime Video, etc., a lot better. So we're now able to have more efficient use of those budgets now that we know what the true attribution is. So it's a positive that we're seeing this this change and moving forward. Just mention as well that one of the main differences, and I don't know how much detail we've gone into already about this, but it's monitored by impressions rather than clicks. So you are paying per thousand impressions. Correct. So the DSP, it's referred to as ECPM. I would also say that it's difficult to say along the journey how much influence DSP has had because it is a viewed impression rather than a, an actual physical click, which clearly links the shopper to your ad to the listing page, for example. But we do know, for example, that People have to sometimes see or be exposed to ads a certain number of times. And again, this is something you can get from your metrics to be able to internalize it or consider your brand going forward as an example. So this is another thing that the merchant token is helping with is obviously just to track that journey. So they might have had, they might have clicked, then they might have seen three ads and then clicked again. But it's those three DSP ads in the middle that potentially reminded that shopper to to go back to that product or, or revisit that product or actually have validity that this is a, a, a product that I am interested in clicking on to get to my final purchase. And that's the difficulty is actually understanding how important those views are 
in your journey. And a, a good way to really stress that importance would be to ensure if you're using DSP that you get some sort of AMC, Amazon Marketing Cloud link through to your account because that path to purchase is very easy to see with the Amazon Marketing Cloud. And then you'll be able to see the frequency of each path to purchase. Like you mentioned seeing a PPC ad three DSP ads as a reminder, and then at the end, an organic click or a PPC click, and then the sale. It shouldn't go unnoticed. You mentioned that those three DSP ads were served. If you can see that that particular path to purchase is fairly common, maybe that makes up 10% of your advertising sales. A PPC ad, three DSP ads, a PPC or an organic finish, and then the sale. That's clearly a path that needs to happen. Now, if that only happened one in a million times, then those three DSP ads, that was just luck. Maybe they didn't need to see those ads, or maybe it was just one in a million. Yeah, so you'll be able to see how often each path to purchase happens. And when we've looked at them, there's always been some sort of DSP influence. I remember reading an article about a guy who bought a Jag, a car Jaguar, when he was in his 50s, for example, and somebody said, when did you first know you wanted to buy the car? And he said when he was about five years old. So you might have to see the car and see the ads on the posters and you get that whole sort of experience. I know obviously it doesn't normally, let's hope an Amazon sale doesn't take that long, but you see how something can internalise for quite a long time before a sale is actually finalised. So it's all those touch points along the way that actually are really important. But also, if your ad hadn't shown, somebody else's ad might have done in that space. So never underestimate the power of blocking the competition with the ads that you're showing as well. Yeah. That's quite an important piece of the, the puzzle as well. Yeah, I agree with that one. And it's something that I always like to try and remind people about, even with PPC. You might be ranking so well organically, but you now have to think about, okay, where do those organic placements appear? They're all below the fold. You have to scroll to see those organic placements. So yes, you might be organic one, two, three, four, or five, but if the sponsor brand ad or the sponsor brand video, and then the first row of sponsored results are powerful and strong and convincing enough that someone will click through and purchase, and you're not there because you're adamant or determined that because you're organically ranked well, you don't need to advertise, then no one's going to see you anyway. So does it matter? I would say your organic rank is incredibly important because there is that scroll. But for those that don't scroll and rely on above the fold to direct their shopping journey, they're not going to see you. So a wise man once said to me that if you're not advertising in that slot and someone else is, just like you said, Alan, if they make that purchase, is that going to have cost you more that you didn't make the sale by having generated no money from that search? than if you were rank one, but you paid to appear in a sponsor brand slot and a sponsor product slot, yes, it costs you more to get the sales. You might have eaten into your margins or that click might have been too expensive, but you got that sale. What's more attractive at the end? No sale or a slightly expensive paid sale? And if you've got a product that can generate lifetime long-term and lifetime value, maybe it's a repeat purchase product, yes, that first purchase might actually be expensive. It might be 100% ACOS. But if someone loved that dog food enough and they want to keep coming back, lifetime value starts to improve as they start to repeat purchase. Maybe they buy a bigger multi-pack next time, but maybe they're a lifetime customer. Yeah. And there are ways of checking that you're not eating into your organic sales. One thing we do is we create um, a chart, the percentage of sales coming from DSP, PPC and organic. 
So yeah. every week we're checking that. If, for example, your DSP sales suddenly spike, that can seem great. But if that's eating into your organic percentage of sales coming through, obviously that's not so great because you're just spending more to get sales where they they could have come organically. And there's other guardrails you can put in place as well in terms of your viewability settings. So you can say that somebody has to see more than 60% of the ad for it to qualify as an impression, for example. That does reduce the, the amount of views that, that will count as part of your impressions. But it also does mean that somebody has to have seen most of the ad for it to qualify. If you're just saying any part of the ad can show for it to count, then they might just see a, a slither of it, which probably shouldn't count. So no. you put in that protection to make sure that your data is as wholesome as possible. Yeah, the impressions are the ones that are important. So I would recommend just paying for those and not the ones that are at the bottom of the page that no one ever scrolls to. So yeah, I guess, I guess that's another pain point that we can get over. Now, it's probably not a myth or a misconception, but the traffic, the traffic you pay for is the traffic you pay for. If you want to prove that quality, yeah, you can reduce your frequency. You can play around with the viewability and et cetera. Okay. So I was just going to say on the open exchange as well, the platforms that you serve on, you can run an inventory report just to see, okay, so how many times did I show up on those, say, for example, on those web server sites, mm. Pubmatic, whatever it is. And if you're getting good results there, great, leave it running. But if not, you can pause those as well. So there are ways of constantly refining the data to make sure that it is as, as credible as possible. Yeah, I, I, that's a really important thing as well with DSP. It's very easy for people to assume that it's a set and forget platform because where we're not relying on keywords and having to fiddle with bids every day like we would on a ppc account because that landscape constantly changes once you've set up your audience you've set up your audience i want to advertise these products i want to show it to anyone who's viewed it in the last seven days i want to negate anyone who's already purchased one i want to gate people from these locations and this age group there's not a huge amount you can change from that but it's about refining your placements reviewing where you're appearing like you said with those those different websites and setting up like a blacklist and a whitelist i suppose that is the thing that's still very different from dsp and, and sponsor display as well is those those layered audiences where you can yeah. really refine because that still hasn't come completely it's getting better sponsor display is improving all the time but there's still so much more the, the types of audiences you can target with dsp as well yeah. I was going to say just for enterprises, businesses as well, the type, the size of those businesses probably means that you want to be seen as widely as possible. So you want to dominate that space, the ad space, which is another way that DSP can help. Again, not just because of those unique ad placements, but because it's so much cheaper, because you're paying per thousand impressions rather than per click, you can really make sure that your ads are everywhere and it, it doesn't cost the earth, a typical ECPM. We obviously we adjust this all the time, but it could be, I mean, probably the most I've ever put down is like $15 for a, a thousand impressions, which again, isn't a ridiculous amount of money if you think about it for to get a thousand potential views out there. So that's the other th reason this can be great. DSP is a great option for ent enterprise clients because you've got the budgets to test out different audiences and, and pay a bit more to be seen but it's free not to cost the earth yeah and i would try and if you're worried about the the cost per milli just work out what your current click-through rate is and then apply that to it you, you can calculate it backwards but yeah high bids on dsp are not something to be scared of 
I definitely agree on that one. So I suppose how to use DSP for maximum impact is really just to to test everything, just to test a range of audiences become, you can make it very broad. For example, this is my category, target the whole of America. We have have, (laughs) done that. We have done that. You refine each order within DSP to say, this is the category we sit within, but that's the most specific I'm going to be with my audience setting. Or you can be as specific as saying, I want this gender, this age group, this income bracket, who have just bought a house, who have recently had a baby. You can be so granular or you can go in very broad and, and, and really wide. And I wouldn't be afraid to test the whole funnel, especially as an enterprise brand. Maybe I'm broadly and generally speaking here, but you've probably got a big advertising budget and it's not unusual for enterprise brands to have an advertising budget for a month for a quarter for that period and if you don't spend it you don't get it back so just spend it so that's where you have the edge on a lot of these smaller brands these that are on amazon to just target that whole funnel you don't have to necessarily play it safe from the get-go and just target the low-hanging fruit see how you can do with remarketing you can very quickly move up the top of that funnel and hit those shoppers in the awareness phase so they might not even be aware of your brand they might never have heard of your brand they might even not know what your product is you might have a very unique product that is solving a problem that people didn't know you'd generated the solution for which is where you can start i don't know maybe you've come up with some crazy stable tracking tripod for youtubers or extreme sports users etc you can target those people who are actually partaking in those sports. You can target people who are, who are running YouTube channels, or you could target people who have purchased other recording equipment and have built up that lifestyle. And you can show them your new wonderful invention or solution to a problem. Yeah, it's really powerful. And you can build that based around the shopper profiles you think exist. So you might have multiple different personas that you think you can target like i've already mentioned the extreme sport user for that target the equipment that they might be buying target the websites that they might be appearing on contextually target the age ranges target the locations that people might be traveling to for example and you can even target economic groups if you think you you're going to appeal to someone who's earning a certain wage per year who has a certain amount of disposable income you can even target them and then yeah by all means introduce remarketing but you've then got that power and that budget on that edge to target i wouldn't necessarily say that you need to do it gradually either i know that when amazon themselves run a dsp their first portal call is to start top of the funnel and trickle down to work out what audience you would remarket to And if we're targeting a small brand, we would actually flip that and we would start with the bottom of the funnel, find out really what's working before we start introducing those products at the top of funnel. But I think with enterprise, you can hit that whole funnel from day one because you've got that bigger budget. You don't have to worry about being too cautious with it and where where you can test it and where you can get the most efficiencies. You can throw it all in in day one and then work out where the efficient areas are as you go. And that's the thing about the more sales you have, the quicker you can get the data through. Yes. And that's you can work out your overlap audiences as well. So there's a great feature within DSP whereby you can say, here's my best performing audience. Take a look at this and layer it with an affinity score with other audiences that would 
be primed for my product. And sometimes there's some really surprising results. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of some examples. It could be like you've been selling watches. I don't know, for example. I'm <laughs> um, just throwing out there. This is something similar to what I've had in the past. And actually, Volvo drivers are a really good overlap. There's quite a good affinity with people that drive Volvos and people that buy that product. And it's something you would potentially never have thought about before, but is worth testing always. So uh, the higher the affinity score the more chance there are that those types of shoppers, people who have shopped for similar products in the past, will be will be in the market for products similar to yours. And there's no guarantees, but that's why it's good to have a large budget that you can test, test these things out. I think that's another thing we need to cycle back on as well, is all of that information that Amazon gives you. It's first-party data. This is very different to other DSPs where you're just running off of third-party data. We have access to all of that information, that Amazon has from the people who have viewed your products, clicked on your products, purchased your products, sniffed your products, I don't know, literally everything that you you have access to. So don't just go with what you think is your target audience. It's very easy to generate that customer profile yourself, but use the reports that Amazon's got because they'll be able to tell you where your customers are and And what other categories they're in. We've had some really unusual results as well where somebody's bestseller isn't necessarily the product that performs best on DSP. So again, it's good to be able to test a range of products, not just your bestsellers, which is probably where we would start, but then testing other products to see how they fare, because that's that's another way of, of identifying opportunities for outliers, products that don't normally do as well on PPC, because cost per click so it's a little bit out of your reach actually with dsp they can perform well because it's as i've mentioned before it doesn't cost quite as much to advertise those products yeah and I, th- I think to me maybe i'm wrong here but i think one of the reasons why we see products that work well on ppc maybe not do so well on D- dsp or vice versa the ones that didn't work on ppc work well on dsp is that remarketing factor if it's working so well through PPC and organically, that's probably why you don't need to remarket because it is working. Whereas those ones that aren't getting those final sales from the clicks, they do work with remarketing because we've had to serve that reminder because we have got the product back in front of that customer and made them think, actually, I do need this. They've had that time to consider. So I think that might be one of the reasons. Yeah, and I think one of the newer features as well, there's a whole new contextual feature within DSP. There's always been contextual targeting, but Amazon have improved it to the point where actually now you can target a category, for example, and somebody can be there for the first time. So there's no prior knowledge of what they're going to do. But you do know that, for example, if you were selling umbrellas and it's a rainy day, somebody might go on for the first time ever to a page and start looking for umbrellas and you can then show up. So there's ways now of getting in front of people without having to have prior knowledge of what they were going to do or what they've done in the past it's becoming much more responsive in that respect so it's almost like being a shop front and a brick shop brick store if somebody needs something they literally walk into the shop and buy it it's that kind of mentality I suppose is that somebody needs it right now you don't have to have too much prior knowledge of, of their behaviors you can grab them in that moment yeah and talking of brick and mortar stores Obviously, that's not something we can target with DSP, but I think with DSP, we always talk about the remarketing, appearing on Amazon, appearing off of Amazon. But I guess for enterprise brands, what are going to be some of those important placements or features that we can use with advertising that might not have been so attractive for 
smaller brands because I think we have tested in the past things like advertising on Prime Video, but they need such a big budget to actually get the wheels moving. I guess it's always one of those running jokes that Amazon will say, if you want to advertise using this feature or with this placement, we're going to need at least $10,000 a budget for the month. And you're like, that's too much. I can't afford, that's not even my normal DSP budget. But I think as an enterprise brand, those features start to become more accessible, more attractive and less of a barrier to entry. If if someone can afford to pay $10,000 for a month or two months to run a video ad on Amazon Prime so they appear prominently on those popular programs in between episodes or in front of a movie, you can actually get your products out there. And also not having to worry too much about making that a remarketing audience and just hitting people. How many times have you watched the television or a movie and seen an advert for a perfume or a car? Those high ticket items from those popular brands. Now we're not going out and buying them every single time, but someone is. <laughs> someone might be booking that test drive or someone might be buying that perfume for a loved one on an anniversary or a Christmas or a birthday, or just for yourself if you know that you need that. But So there's always uh, a need for that sort of advertising. The other thing I suppose about, you just made me think about enterprise clients is that they've probably got a creative team so it's easier to create something like an audio ad which you can run on dsp that to put that together because that might be too expensive for a smaller client to to manage or or create so actually if you've got that capacity and you you've got a bit of a higher budget to test out audio ads and not too much about what the results are but just again for exposure for your product, just to get your name out in the, the public domain as a respected brand. That's something else we've seen clients try. And because there are fewer people doing it, there's less barriers to entry for that if you can afford to, if you can afford to test those kind of things out. And I think you just made a very good point there. We are talking enterprise brands. And to be an enterprise brand, there's generally going to be some knowledge of your brand already. So Unlike the smaller brands, you don't have to test to try and work out what works. If you are Coca-Cola and you're listening, people know who you are. This is where we're telling you those different placements that you've got access to. You can throw them in front of Prime Videos. You can throw them on Alexa devices. So if someone is asking, what's the news or listening to Amazon Music, your ads can appear in between those songs after those broadcasts as you're browsing your various audio apps, etc. So it's, yeah, that's a really important point, I think, that People already know who you are generally. And if they don't, when they hear the quality of your ads, they will know who you are over and over again as well. Because you're not so worried about ad immediately getting a strong click or a click through and getting a sale. Something else to mention as well is obviously you don't have to sell on Amazon to run DSP either. You've got link out campaigns, which are for people who don't have services on Amazon. Sorry, who don't sell products on Amazon, but might have services off Amazon. You can still yeah. show your your ads on their platforms. That's just something else to, to think about. This isn't exclusive to Amazon sellers. Yeah, that's important as well, because some of these enterprise brands, I already mentioned cars. It's not easy to buy a car on Amazon, is it? But we've, we've sold package holidays through DSP, like directing people through to those, those, those websites where, yeah, they can craft their own experience or maybe just purchase a hiking trip through that. There are multiple things we've we've sold insurance through Amazon DSP. They they don't have a physical presence on Amazon because it's not a service that Amazon offer yet. And training courses as well. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts that have been sold through Amazon. So don't be put off by it being a physical product 
marketplace. In terms of how you access DSP, there are a couple of options. You can speak to Amazon and they can run DSP ads for you, but there's typically quite a high monthly fee to do that. The other option is to obviously speak to an agency like ourselves to to run your DSP for you. And there are there's a third type where people actually manage to get access to DSP platforms themselves. But that obviously is a, a much longer, lengthier process, which you've got some hoops to jump through to to prove your worth for that. So in terms of finding an agency to do this for you, I would always just say, once you decide to do DSP, just talk about the practicality of that. So it, DSP isn't for everybody. There are, I mean, we're talking about enterprise clients specifically at the moment, but if you were a smaller client, you'd have to have a certain number of sales coming through your shop, for example, I'm putting it a shop, your account, because it is about numbers. So DSP is very much about building audiences. And if you're not selling enough products, you're not getting enough data through to make it worthwhile. So that would be one reason you probably wouldn't be a good candidate for it. However, the more people that do DSP, the more, I suppose, the less you have to pay to do this now or to test it out. Because for example, we've just run a deal where you can just do like the DSP Lite, where we literally just test it out for you to see if it's worth pursuing. So I think there's more more agencies offering something similar now, whereas before there was there were quite big barriers to entry for, for some clients. But coming to enterprise clients, there would be a conversation about what the practicality is, again, of your, product, your products, right? Do, do we think that they would perform well on DSP? If, if it's people making a one-time purchase, you've completely written off the whole repurchasing orders that we could access. So it's then, okay, so how big is the audience that we can look at the top of funnel how many new people can we reach out to because every client is a new client for example we have had that in the past where it's a very high ticket item you're never likely to buy it again so how would dsp work for you in that instance and then it's looking at the sales funnel and all the touch point or the hits that you can get coming down the funnel the audiences you get like amazon offers a really clear breakdown of when you type in an audience search for example premium watches it will give you a list of audiences you could target and what the size of that audience is as well. So you kind of get a measure of how well your your ads will run on against those audiences and whether it's worth pursuing in the long term. Yeah. You touched on something there that's just made me think of something that with the enterprise brands, you're probably already in this mindset, but your ad campaigns don't have to run forever. With PPC, you're usually targeting that same audience over and over and over again with those same keywords. Yes, we're reviewing the keywords, finding new opportunities, but it is a campaign to advertise this product from people who search for the keywords that should trigger this product. But with DSP, you've got a lot more creative control, like with the audio ads, the video ads, whether that's on Prime or Twitch, etc. But you're probably going to be releasing new products on a regular or at least a semi-regular basis if you are a yeah, let's say you're Coca-Cola, you're going to have different campaigns going on different times a year. So their advertising is very different at Christmas compared to in the summer. There's a very different vibe about drinking Coke and refreshing and being cool and getting that cold bottle in the summer compared to the big Santa lorry at Christmas. Your ads don't always have to run all the time. You don't have to worry about them getting a conversion they can be there to generate awareness and go out and buy this bottle yeah because you've seen it it's been attractive it's put you into a mindset a vibe a mood because it's summer for example so you can run those short-term 
creative campaigns through DSP and cycle those or rotate those or update those for a different season. Whereas with PPC, it's I've got my keywords. Maybe I can introduce a gifting keyword at Christmas, for example. But yeah, it's a bit more difficult to have that creative control outside of a sponsor brand where you're still limited on your placements. But with DSP, they can appear everywhere and anywhere, multiple formats, visual, moving, audio. With uh, DSP creatives as well, something that I do love is that you can add a review. So you can mm. go find your a very relevant review from your five-star reviews that you've been getting and you can add that to the the creative itself and again it's all about that customer trust so if somebody sees something specific like for example say you sell a specific premium hair care brand and you can find a, a review that that mentions how your hairdresser recommended this product and it's been working amazingly and you've you've been buying it ever since it's that kind of um, reiteration of how good your product is and how suitable it is for your needs as an example. And those can be seasonal as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you're approaching Christmas and you've got a great review talking about it being the perfect gift, that's a great time to do that. Or if you're approaching summer and it's a product that's really good for cooling something, find a review that not only praises your product, but is also relevant to that season that might attract more people to it than just a generic review saying this was good five stars would buy again exactly yeah my wife loved it and now she's buying it every week so it's it's that kind of reliability it's, it's a bonus headline for you that has actually come from someone who's purchased your product so yeah indeed. Yeah, it's another area to not set and forget which is yeah i, I guess the, the misconception that we've mentioned earlier but th that is the sort of thing that would be reviewed and cycled in and out every so often when the situation uh, fits. Thinking about, if we were talking about difficulties with setting up DSP for a very large client, it's not like PPC where you can set up lots of very small campaigns just to test out how they perform. With DSP, you create orders. You're trying to find the best product that will respond to your ads. So you're more likely to either group products together or you would literally just pick out your very best performers to start with. And again, I'm saying to start with because you over time you might see that actually you're promoting one ad, one product, but actually another is through brand halo sales, mm. bringing in more. So that's when you might then use that data to bring in other products. But in terms of setting it up, it's DSP is a much bigger platform to set up. It's like I always think of it as like rolling a stone up a hill. It takes a lot longer to, it's a lot more effort to do it. But once you push it over the edge, it kind of does snowball the, the effect. And that's one of the main difficulties, I suppose, with DSP is making sure it's set up well and right to start with. And again, considering your marketing funnel, your sales funnel to see which points you want to hit most from the outset. Yeah. And I think, I guess another thing that sellers might worry about is new products because with a new product you don't have an existing audience and that's where you need to get out of that remarketing mindset that if i'm launching a new product today i can still successfully launch that on dsp alongside my ppc launch as long as i've got a good enough catalog of products that i can cross so maybe this is a new version this is the iPhone 14, last year was a 13. I can target the people that purchased or were early adopters of my products last year and show them my new model that they can purchase as well. Yeah, cross-selling additional features for products. Maybe it's a carry case for your another product you sell. Maybe it's a refill for another product you sell. That can be launched easily on day one. But as an enterprise brand, 
that's where you don't have to worry about not being able to, to launch. You can go straight to the top of the funnel and target people who are interested in that category, in that product, in that lifestyle. So that would be another thing that I would say might be perceived as a difficulty in, in for DSP in general, but would be taken away at that enterprise level where you do have that bigger reach, that name recognition already to just throw your product out there without having had any reviews, without having had any clicks or views because it's day one. Your brand at that level usually has a reputation and will carry reviews itself based on the other products it sells. Like when Sony launch a new TV, you can generally get a good understanding of how well that TV is going to perform based on the reviews of all the other TVs they've released in that range. Maybe the previous year is usually just going to be a little bit better than it was before. You don't have to worry as much as someone who might be a completely new electronics brand launching a TV today. They've got no trust because no one's heard of them yet. Yeah, and that, there's a whole new new feature, cross-channel planner. You can actually do some forecasting. How much budget will I need to do well in this this category, for example? So you can plug in lots of different information relating to, say, for example, I want to target people who have got similar products. Say you, you started to sell headphones and you're targeting people who have got phones, for example, that are compatible with your headphones. You can target those people who have got those phones that are compatible. You can see what your competitors are doing, what, what the size of the market is for them. And you can work out how much your expected cost per million is going to be as well. And look at actually where where's the point of the, the best return. So if it's $8 per thousand impressions, once it tips past that, you might actually not get many more sales. So you can actually mm. say, this is probably the most I'm ever going to have to spend per thousand impressions. And you can work it backwards from there and about your conversion rates and, and what you would expect to get from targeting those audiences with those products. Yeah, definitely agree on that one. All right. I think before we wrap this episode up, I think it'll be good to talk about future opportunities and future trends. We ran a webinar a couple of months ago. You'll be able to find that as a podcast episode, but also available on our YouTube channel to watch that full webinar. We had guests from Packview. And there were two guests from PackView who actually helped set up PackView's own like DSP integration and the Amazon Marketing Cloud integrations they've got within that. And something they mentioned was keywords. And that's not something that we can actually do on DSP. It's very separate. It's audience-based. But they mentioned that soon you will be able to at least starting through the Amazon Marketing Cloud, build DSP audiences and campaigns based around keywords. So at the moment, if someone types in a keyword, you need to appear then, they need to be searching for it now, but it could be a case of, here's my five best performing keywords. Can you target anyone who has searched those or is searching those currently? So there are gonna be some changes to make it a bit more seamless between PPC and DSP. Yes, different placements, but yeah, that's something that's excited me the most about the future because it's not too uncommon a question from clients that we've got and it doesn't matter what level you're at, whether you're enterprise or just starting out. DSP, it can be daunting because it's not something that you yourself immediately have access to. It's not like your own Seller Central account. It's a separate entity. Yeah, it's not an uncommon question of, can you target people who are searching for this keyword? No has been the longest running answer, but that is coming. 
at least through the Amazon Marketing Cloud to start with. In terms of the future as well, I think just the ability to show up in in spaces where it's typically been reserved for the big companies, like Tom said, like Coca-Cola, you wouldn't be able to run a TV ad, for example. But the more people are online in different places, the more these ads are starting to show up in affordable slots. So we've talked about Twitch already. There's streaming TV is now becoming more affordable to the masses. Again, it's about having those budgets that you can test in the first place and being aware of whether those audiences would be a good audience. If it's money well spent, is this going to get a good return for you or does it fit into your plan? Because some of our clients just want the best return, the most efficient return for that ad spend. So in that case, you'd have to take a huge risk and just it's more about engagement again, about visibility rather than getting a a return every time somebody sees your ad or as many times as possible. So there is that risk. But at the same time, if that is something you align with in terms of your marketing policy, we can spend for exposure or just to be seen or just to build our reputation then that's definitely something I think you can look forward to more and more as, as time goes on. And we as an agency, we have access to our own DSP contacts on the DSP tech team. So that also opens up additional opportunities that we might not be privy to within the actual DSP interface itself. So for the longest time, we've been able to purchase unique inventory with deals for like if you want to target this category or this audience you can get it cheaper for the next amount of impressions or whatever this is on offer but with our dsp contacts they will often reach out with unique opportunities unique deals like maybe you can get this amount of impressions for half the price yes you need to foot a a decent budget up front to make it worth amazon's while but also they're giving us some benefits but also unique placements as well On the main page of Amazon, you've got unique placements that you're not normally going to be able to target through like PPC or DSP, but Amazon will offer certain deals for certain placements that are unconventional or reserved for those bigger brands. You load up Amazon, you're going to see all of the sports brands, those big Coca-Cola brands, even big movies and things being advertised. That inventory and real estate does become easier to access as an enterprise brand. Purely, I'm not going to sugarcoat it because you've got more money to spend and are more attractive to Amazon at that point. So Helen, as we wrap this up, what would be your main takeaway that you'd like our listeners to remember about Amazon DSP for enterprise advertisers and enterprise brands? The key takeaway is just to to be open-minded because there has been a lot of, of trash talk about DSP in the past, but I do genuinely think people need to revisit DSP as an option because of the changes that have been made to to safeguard though the attribution uh, and to make sure that it is more viable so I would say if in doubt speak to somebody again speak to an agency speak to Amazon get a second opinion because I think DSP has had a really bad rap in the past but I think people that do try it tend to love it if it's done right again people have been burned in the past by it being done wrong and it being a waste of money or seen as a waste of money, a bit like sponsor display was for a while as well. There was a lot of negativity about it when it first came out. But once those issues are ironed out, it becomes a really powerful tool to add to your weaponry. My takeaway would be don't hesitate to target the full funnel immediately. Don't try and chart when are we going to hit each stage of the funnel. As an enterprise brand, you do have that power of that brand recognition start targeting the awareness stage, the consideration stage. At the same time, you start targeting your 
existing loyal customers. So thank you for tuning in. As usual, thank you, Helen, for joining us and sharing your expertise. If any of you have been listening are interested in exploring DSP further, please don't hesitate to get in contact. You can find us on all of the usual socials, but you can find us on our website at www.com and someone will be more than happy to speak with you, strategize with you and figure out if the DSP is a good fit for your brand. So until our next episode, it's goodbye from myself and goodbye from Helen and we will see you soon. Don't forget to comment, like, subscribe so you don't miss a future episode and share this with any of your peers and colleagues. Bye.